This series, uh, you know, I've been listening to it while I've been away and sending back little words of encouragement to the team. I think Kev did an outstanding job there at the beginning, and then Dennis came up and very powerfully, very winsomely, you know, did that whole thing on the on that, the call to intimacy. And then Richard last week, of course. If you missed any of these, by the way, do check them out on the podcast or the video cast. But I have this kind of itch. Um, and the team and I were talking this week, and we're not sure whether we've come through yet to where God wants us to be. So I'm going to preach a relatively short word because I don't want to muddle it up. I want this to be absolutely as clear as I can make it. And so I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to help me to make this clear and that you understand it aright because there is the potential in this to misunderstand in a bad, bad way. So let me just uh, pray, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I believe that this is a word that you have given us as a church for this season. And I believe, Lord God, that the enemy would snatch it away from us. And so I pray now, Lord God, that you would help us to hear this aright, and that we, your body gathered here would indeed be taken to a new level, and it's, it's for all of us, that we might be taken to a new level of glory in you and of power and authority. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's start. Going to be two or three little bits of scripture here. Let's start with, with Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34. And uh, that says this. John chapter 13, verse 34, probably come up on the screen. And uh, where is it? Here we go. Yeah, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus distills it right down to loving one another. Now, much of the letters, the pastoral letters in the New Testament, that's the latter part of the book, are full of the apostles' instructions to the church about how to do church and how to, do, how to behave with one another and how to see God. And he, the, the gospel is often something that is reminded to us. But essentially, if you wanted an umbrella statement for all that instruction and detailed and particular it is, it's this, love one another. Not in the sort of romantic, Hollywood, wishy-washy kind of, you know, fuzzy, focused type thing, but in the way Christ loves us. Love one another. And that takes guts. It's strong love. It's, it's a love that takes you to the cross. It's a love that defers to one another. It's a love that believes the best about one another. It's a love that supports one another and, and seeks to strengthen one another and works for the other's success. And the, uh, it, it, that's the kind of thing. It's a tough love. Love God, love one another. Now, the difficulty, and if you've been reading this book, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that while I've been away. What did I do with my glasses, by the way? Where did I put them? Oh, here they are, yeah. Sorry, I've been a bit forgetful recently. <laughs> Fliss says it's um, that I'm getting old. I, I think it's I'm just progressing, you know. <laughs> I'm not getting old, I'm just progressing. progressing. From one glory to the next, you know. 
This book by uh, Simon Ponsonby, it's new out. Uh, a number of us have read it. Uh, it. There are parts of it I'm not so keen on, but by and large, I've loved it. But he quotes a, a Catholic priest, writer, and spiritual director, and he says this, and this is very interesting, and I want us to grasp this. He says this, the greatest single cause of atheism, atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Get it? People who profess to be Christians, and we probably all know a few, people who profess to be Christians, but actually their life does not model that. You know, what they do and the way they are with their family, with their kids, with their spouse, with their workmates, you know, even as they arrive here and try and find a parking space and run down our parking direct guys, you know, it, it models something different. And that's the big, what I call the disconnect, the disconnect. And that's the, he the heading of this talk, thank you, the disconnect. And I really want us to understand that the way we live our lives is not just, Im just important because it's right, you know, it's, we want our kids to grow up in a world that is nice. It's actually part of being a Christian. It's an essential part. And, uh, you know, basically, one could say, if we are filled with the Spirit, if we are filled with the Spirit, we should walk in the Spirit. You know, much of the charismatic, Pentecostal wing of the church makes much of, and rightly so, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we sung it this morning. Welcome Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to preach. Holy Spirit, help us to pray for the sick. Holy Spirit, come, do your work among us. Wonderful. But that's not just for Sunday best. That's if we, if we, if we call upon the Spirit to fill us, we need to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit was actually made for life in all its complexity. I sometimes struggle, and I've said this before, with the image of the Holy Spirit as a dove, a sweet little coo-coo, 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 a little fluffy white dove. If it wasn't in the scriptures, you know, and it is, then, then I'd have to sort of, you know, I have to be careful what I say. I'd really want, what I really want the Holy Spirit to be, uh, in a sort of, demonstrated by is, is a strong man. Does that send quivers down, you know? <laughs> Bristling manhood. Because actually, it's not some, you know, I've, I've heard all sorts of stories about doves. A friend of mine is absolutely convinced that, that, uh, that the two doves that were sort of nesting in his, his old dead shut-off chimney pot on, the, on his cottage, he was absolutely convinced that when there was no arguments in the house, they'd be happy as Larry. They'd coo and carry on and do what they do. But if there was an argument in the house, they'd all go quiet. He said they were so sensitive. It's just like the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to say what? You know, the Holy Spirit is given so that we might be salt and light in the world. And the world's a pretty tough place, in case you hadn't noticed. It's not just for Sunday best. If we live by the Spirit, we must walk by the Spirit. If we're filled with the Spirit, 
Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit is given so that we can be Christians out there, not just in here. And that's where the church generally, and I think this church, dare I say it, probably not a wise thing to say, but I do think we may be a little better than some, but comparison is a dangerous thing. But nevertheless, it's to this community I'm saying this, this community that the, church, that the Spirit of God is speaking, we need to watch our walk. Watch our walk. Now let me just do something here. A little play with me for a moment. Because I want to talk about salvation and sanctification. Two, two technical words that for some of you will be confused by. But I want you just... Uh, For as many of you can, there may be medical reasons why this isn't a good idea for some of you, but but I just want you to take a deep breath and hold your breath for as long as possible. Ready? One, two, three. Deep breath. Hold your breath for as long as possible. And when you can't do it anymore, go... Okay, right. (laughs) I I said go... Not throw up, Glenn. (laughs) Okay. Enough. You know, we can take a breath in and hold our breath, but something has to happen. Something has to follow that intake of breath. We have to breathe out, don't we? And then we have to breathe in again. And then we have to breathe out. Holiness or sanctification or living righteously or or bearing fruit is actually what comes naturally to the Christian. It's perverse when we stop that process. Now, salvation, the belief that Jesus Christ has died upon the cross for our sins, has risen from the dead, has ascended into heaven, and is coming again. And because of his death upon the cross, the belief that, uh, that, that it enjoins all Christians the world over is that you and I can know God's forgiveness and the free gift of eternal life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's foundational. There is nothing you can do to earn that salvation. It is just life placed within you. God's life through Christ placed within you. We confess our sins, we ask him to forgive us, and God's, we put our trust in Jesus, and God's salvation comes to us. It's like, a, it's like we were dead. In fact, the scripture says this, once we were dead, now we're alive. And if you've ever watched a, a movie or a television program where somebody has drowned and they're lying on the slab, and all of a sudden, they go, <laughs> like that. In fact, I saw it just this week in some film I was watching. When you breathed in, you are taking in oxygen. You are taking in life. Salvation is like that. You can't do anything. You breathe, and God fills your lungs, your life, your heart, your spirit with life. Life, the self-same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Nothing you can do. It's a standalone event. You can join the Rotary Club. You can serve volunteers and uh, you can volunteer for, for pouring out coffee for somebody. You can you know, do all sorts of good works. It won't earn you one jot of salvation. It will not get you one step further to going to be with God in heaven. 
It doesn't count. Only that surrender to God and breathing in of his new life counts. But you and I know this, as you just experimented with me just a moment ago. You can't just breathe in. You have to breathe out. That's how my life cycle, your life cycle works. You breathe in, oxygen life wakes you up. You breathe out. You expel the carbon monoxide, dioxide, whatever it is. You breathe that out. There's two parts to it. And as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that while salvation, as it's called, is a total free gift, it's an act of grace, the breathing out bit, the working out bit, is something we do in partnership with the Holy Spirit. God himself takes a personal interest in the way we work out our life together, not just in here, but at every point of the week. The Holy Spirit will perfect Holiness, Christ-likeness. I think it's more helpful possibly if I use that word Christ-likeness within us. But here's the catch. We can choose not to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Whereas the intake of breath thing is totally God's deal. Sanctification, holiness, Christ-likeness is something that we have to work on, work with the Holy Spirit. Some people give up before they've even started because, oh, it's too, they say it's too hard. I couldn't do that. I can do this, but I'll never be able to give up that. Or I could never forgive that person or whatever the, the, the problem is. Folks, you cannot carry that kind of baggage with you because that will kill you. Watch my lips. That will kill you. It's an indulgence. It's an idol. You have got to let go of these things. You have got to try and embrace Christ-likeness in all circumstances and situations. Let me just read on a little bit, a bit more scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. This, this is relatively self-explanatory. I'm not going to commentate on it. But this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Galatian church. And he's dealing with this very issue. Basically what he's saying, you know, is, is, you know, guys, you know what your old life was like. Please don't carry on living it. Something extraordinary has happened. God has put his life within you. Now walk with it. And so he says in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16, says this. In fact, I'm going to begin at verse 13. It's not going to come up. Verse, verse 16 on will come up. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. This isn't the law I'm preaching here. This is freedom. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be, be destroyed by each other. There's no room for this kind of behavior. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, you may not be doing all of those. Well, well done. Thank God for that. But you may do an itsy-bitsy bit of one of them. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Because God is holy. And in him there is no darkness. No darkness. Not a little bit. It's not like at home when you've cleaned the house and you sit down and you think, oh, thank goodness for that. And then you look underneath the, the sideboard and there's a little bit of dust there. You think, oh, blow it. I can't be bothered with it. You can't afford to be bothered. You have to be bothered with it in the spiritual life. You can't leave that there. 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking and envying each other. Folks, the world, people want to see Jesus. And they look to the church, and what do they see in the church? They see people just like them. They say, well, forget it. That's obviously not the way. People want to see Jesus. And Christ-like, Christ-likeness, holiness, sanctification, there's that old technical term, Christ-likeness is demonstrated by a Christ-like life. You know, John Stott wasn't an evangelical, he wasn't a charismatic, but he said the one theme of Scripture, he was asked, what does he, towards the end of his life, he was asked, what do you see as one of the great neglected themes of Scripture? And he said this. He said, there is one, and it's often vexed me. And you see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. You see it in the pastoral epistles. You see it in the prophetic writings. And it's this, quite simply, the call to holiness. Western Christians are very indulgent. Very indulgent. We're, very, we're full of grace and mercy for ourselves, and very critical of the world. It should be the other way around. We should be full of grace and mercy for the world and actually examine our hearts. I don't know who use that word, be critical. It's perhaps unhelpful. But we need to examine our hearts because the, Lord, the world is looking for, for Jesus and they're not seeing it in the church. Peter puts this in these terms. 1 Peter 1.16, many of you will be familiar with this. Be holy because I am holy. That's what Father is looking for in us. Now, he has provided everything we need, but we do have to do something. You know, I'm, I, I pray with a number of you, and one or two of you, on a very regular basis, and 
I won't mention names, it wouldn't be appropriate, but I know one family here who have made extraordinary uh, sacrifices financially in order to give their, their children the best possible education. Highly laudable, I'm sure. But they're in agony because one of their children is not making the most of that. They're basically, dare I say, dossing around. It's nearly killed them to make these sacrifices. But this child is throwing it away as far as they can see. It kills the father again. It crucifies Christ again. Having given his one and only son, having died upon the cross, then given the Holy Spirit that we might work and be holy and overcome these things, if we then sort of chill out, take it as an option. Oh, I'm not feeling like a Christian today, blow it. You know? Now, that's nobody's problem here. I'm just trying to give this clear and start because the previous teachings, and in fact, Mark's going to try and pick up this theme, I'm sure he will, next week. We've got to grasp this because we are taking it to the, new, the next level. We're taking this church to the next level by the grace of God, and so help me, God. And, and when the world sees this church, and we are under scrutiny evermore, I want them to see Jesus. Anybody agree with me on that? I want them to see Jesus. Not just a bunch of nice people. I want them to see Jesus. And so when you say to, when somebody asks you, what did you do last weekend, bank holiday weekend, I don't want you to feel ashamed to say, oh, well, actually, I went to church. I want you to feel a little pride even, dare I say, pride's a dangerous thing. Say, so, oh, yeah, I, I go to church. Which church? Oh, the, vine- oh, the vineyard. Oh, okay. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. We're all, this isn't just a beat up on a few people. We're all trying to take it to a new level. We've got to understand that Christ has done it all. The breathe in. But we have to work with the Holy Spirit to live a life that is worthy for him. And that's the essence of a call to holiness. It has complex things, and we've looked at some of those complexities, but that is the essence of it. Finally then, let me read this, as if you needed any more reminding. I think I've been clear. And if the band could come up, please. 1 John, and I've spent the whole three weeks just reading through 1 John again and again and again and again. It's only five chapters. But I felt the Lord was just nailing me on it. 1 John, verses 5 to 7, says this. This is John the Apostle speaking to the church. This is John who was supposedly Jesus' favorite. This is not somebody writing about something he heard down the pub and put it together with something he read in the paper. This is the guy. He says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not have the truth. Church, God has been very gracious to us, very kind, 
and very forbearing. But this world needs to see Jesus and it's time to man up. Got it? Got it. Let's all stand. I'm going to lead us in a little confession prayer. We're in this together. I'm not excluded from this. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit over the, to, to visit us, not just today, but in the weeks to come, and speak to us about these things that are darkness that we really need to leave behind. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord God, we want to say thank you to you because it's always, always a sign of favor, an open heaven gift, if you like, when you visit us and shine light into our lives. We wriggle and squirm sometimes, Lord. We, we don't always see it for what it is. It's an act of love. It's an act of mercy. So, Lord, we just want to say thank you for your love and your mercy to us. We thank you for your salvation, which cannot be earned. But we thank you that you have not left us alone at that point. You've not left us comfortless or helpless. You've poured out your Holy Spirit upon us so that you can work Christ in us. And we want to work with you. We don't want to be found lying in late in the morning, figuratively speaking abusing this gift and grace. Lord, we want to be holy. Please help us to be holy. Now come, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to get Sam and the band to sing this wonderful old vineyard song. It's very old. And just, I want you to use this moment just to focus on Jesus and let the band sing over you. If you want to sing along with it, fine, that's great. But I want to give you permission not to just dive into worship and escape the moment. I want you to, to, to just focus on Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to, to work this thing in us. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> 